They tell me Jesus died for my transgressions And that he paid that price a long, long time ago When he gave his life for me on a hill called Calvary But there's something else I want to know Does he still feel the nails Every time I fail Does he hear the crowd cry crucify again Am I causing him pain Then I know I got to change I just can't bear the thought of hurting him It seems that I'm so good at breaking promises And I treat his precious grace so carelessly each time he forgives what if he relieves the agony he felt on that tree does he still feel the nails every time i fail does he hear the crowd cry crucify Again, am I causing him pain? Then I know I've got to change. I just can't bear the thought of hurting him. Holy, I crucified you, Jesus, with my sin. I'm tired of playing games. I really want to change. I never want to hurt you 
Today is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know how much I'm going to talk about Pentecost, though. Uh, a little over a week ago, I mm, received a, a call from a, a friend and kind of changed the direction of, of today's message. And I'll, I'll talk about the phone call with a friend a little bit later, but first, uh, I'll, I'll lead up with... Uh, a relative of mine passed away uh, a number of years ago, and he was a woodworker and a, a builder of things. And so we, uh, uh, the, uh, the inheritors, uh, went to the shop, and we got to pick up to our heart's delight, I guess, so to speak. And, and me being, I was one of the younger generation, and so I, got, I, I didn't get quite the, the coolest stuff. I've, I, I got more sentimental things. But, uh, and, and I didn't, I don't have those with me, so I, I've, I asked for some uh, uh, fill-in measuring tools to, to uh, be up here. And and Barley gave me this one that it's really heavy, and I'm not even going to bring it up here. But it's a it's one of those levels with the little bubbles in there. And anyway, so I've got these tools, and I noticed probably about six months later that it had been. Uh, the name of the, the owner of the tools had been etched in there, but then in faint writing, it said something like this, not plum, not true, on multiple tools. Do you know what that means? They weren't any good. <laughs> and so I kept sitting there, why in the world would you keep tools, measuring tools, if it didn't measure the distance correctly and it didn't measure plumb right or the angle right? I've got my degree thing here. I don't know what this is, but why would you keep that? Unless you knew that it was for Chad's sermon illustration years and years later, which I doubt that's the reason. Can you imagine what it would be like to build a house with those tools? What does it look like? Do you want to walk up those stairs? Have you ever seen the, like on a TV show where they open the door and 
they go, or they go to shut the door and it's angled at such a way that you're never going to shut that door. Not true and not plumb tools are what I want us to hold on through this whole message today. Where the things that you use to measure aren't reliable. Matthew 7, 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The tool you use will be the tool used on you. Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive a brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow, servants fell, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Back to the phone call from my friend. He is a friend from out west, so that really makes it broad. Uh, it won't keep him, keep him incognito. 
And he, he, he asked this question. If I continue to struggle with a certain area of sin, was I and am I really repentant and saved? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? If I continue, if I have this sin in my life that is reoccurring throughout my life, but I still just, it's just like it, it follows me, it haunts me, or it sneaks up, or I just give in. Was I really ever saved? Am I really repentant? Have you ever asked those questions? Like he did? And the, the counselor person in me wanted to know more. Where's this coming from? Well, he... He shared with some folks at church his struggle. And I had to, on the phone, uh, he shared in much more colorful language than I'm going to share with you. I'm going to make it church or worship appropriate. Um, and he just said, I'm done with Christians. I'm done. And if I share that around them, if I share my brokenness with them, I get preached at that I'm not serious about my faith. And they come across as people who don't have sin, or at least they don't talk about their sins. And then they look down on those of us who aren't perfect. He couldn't be himself amongst God's people because he felt judged because he was judged in this christian journey we tend to struggle with the tools we use and I, I want you to imagine it this way. Um, how many rules are there in Christianity? I know of plenty of rules. I'm going to give you some of the old rules. Uh, I was just thinking uh, as uh, Charlene played today... Um, in reading some of the North Carolina history, Friends history, there was a, a, a Friends woman, and I don't know if she was at, she was at one of the older meetings, and I don't know if it was Springfield or somewhere, but she loved music, and she loved to sing, and that was detestable among friends. It was not allowed. And so she would sneak off and go to the Wesleyans or the Methodists or whatever group was singing. And she got caught. Sinner. My mother is a preacher's kid. And growing up, she was not allowed to go to dances. She was not allowed to drink soda from a bottle 
you know why, right? How many of you actually know that one? Why don't you drink soda from a bottle? Because it looks, a bottle, beer came in bottles, and you never knew what was in those. They didn't play card games. It was a glorious day when they were allowed to play Rook. You know why you didn't play card games? Because playing cards are part of the minor tarot deck. You know what tarot cards are? Tarot cards. So, but, and, well, I guess there's gambling. So she didn't dance. She didn't drink soda out of a bottle. Um, she uh, didn't, well, what else? What were some of my other ones here? Oh, well, she didn't smoke. She didn't cuss. Um, and then we get into uh, all the stereotypes of today, right? What are the rules for today? There's plenty around how people, um, how they dress, what they, what their, even their politics can be judgment. You can get judged by your politics as far as if you're in or out. Another one of my big ones uh, is uh, you're judged on scripture. I remember uh, teaching English, and uh, part of teaching English is you, you teach the Bible as literature. And I had a Bible professor say, well, you, you just don't have a big respect for the authority of scripture. Yeah, I do. And then theology. How many of you have the right theology? Anybody, do you know what theology is? Theology is human understanding of God. The study, human study of God. And there's a wide range of theology. And these tools, these things of what is right and wrong... Here's what I've seen happen. Let's say my life. Could we go back to that first one? This is my life. God is building a house. A house for eternity. And God is doing the work, but then I get a bunch of people that come in with their, their not plumb and their not true tools and they start doing some work and they can really mess up the house God is building have you ever been judged at church you can say yes or no I, I'm guessing that everyone has been told what is appropriate at church at some time right that is not right to be doing So my friend is divorced, and 50 years ago, that was one of the biggest taboos there ever was. You were blackballed. And he goes to a fairly conservative church, and so he was facing a lot of looking down over some of these issues.
there are only two true measuring tools in Christianity. Let's, hit, let's look at those. That cross is an incredible measurement tool. Do you know what happened on that cross? The balance of right and wrong. It was made plumb. Let's just do that. I, I like to think of you know, how you get a, a nice square corner. That cross provides an incredible thing. Uh, what do I have down here? Forgiveness and mercy. That is the rule, that is the measurement that we in the church need to be using. Because I'm telling you, I look out here and I see a lot of good people, but good people still fall short, right? It's this cross that makes everything plumb and square and true and straight. It's also the empty tomb. The empty tomb is a, the empty tomb, what it says to us is that new life is possible in Jesus. So the cross did away with all the wrongs and the empty tomb, this new life, resurrection life, says, I can be a part of what Jesus is. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is the helper. I'll throw Pentecost in here. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Jesus is the house builder. Jesus is the contractor. And we are the workers and laborers that use his tools to help build not only our own house, but others. And this is where it'll make sense. So I told my friend, I said, listen, stop listening to them. And listen to these words. Jesus' work on the cross is true or not? Yes or no? Is what Jesus did on the cross right or wrong? Was he telling the truth when he said, it is finished. They are forgiven. I have paid the debt. Is that true? Yes. Then stop playing the game of, um, well, and I, I, do you receive that? Yes, then it's over. It's nailed. It's nailed. And it's done. Rest in that. Do you believe that Jesus was resurrected? Yes. That he's resurrected not to an old life, but to a new life. Paul Paul talks about Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, in an incredible way. 
He said, that was the last act of creation. Because Jesus' resurrection, he is the second Adam. He is the forerunner of eternity. And if we are in him, we will be like him. And so I said to my friend, if you believe in the cross and you believe in the resurrection, if you trust Jesus, you are a part of that new creation. And what that means. So I gave, I gave you the example of people trying to use poor measuring skills to build my house for me by telling me all these rules that get me all bound and, and con consternated, to use a big word. There are some people that don't want to use any tools. That when you become, uh, when you trust Jesus, that, oh, that, it's all good. You do whatever you want now. So you have these two extremes. People trying to use all these bad tools and then people trying to say there are no tools. When it's clear that Scripture has, has shared with us what is real and what is true, but we are not here to try and force rules on one another. And here's what I mean. When I have people come to me and ask, what do I need to do? I'm not here to be the contractor. My thing is, what I say is, what is Jesus doing in your life right now? What is God building in your house? Because God is up to something. And instead of me telling you what to do, prescription, I am here as a fellow worker to help you in what God is doing in your house. Do you see the difference in that? Instead of me coming in and pushing everybody aside and telling people what to do, how to be, I'm coming in with, got my gloves on, let's hear what the contractor Jesus has to say, and let's, let me see if I can help. I'm a helper instead of, a, instead of the foreman or the contractor myself. Part of the reason that many people aren't interested in the church anymore is because they feel judged, unworthy. And somehow in the church we've learned to put on a, uh, a, an exterior. To try and make it look like our house is complete. When it's not complete. The thing that is attractive. 
for many people that aren't in the church. For this, if this friend of mine would have been in the place in, in his congregation or in his small group and said, I'm struggling with this. And they said, how can we help? Versus, are you sure you're really saved? Do you see the difference that, that, that makes? In one, how can I help? It's I am here for you and with you. I am going to walk with you. And that's the people, that's the church that's described in this. Whereas the other, are you sure you're in the club? Are you sure you have the right? Let, well, let me get my, uh, let me get my, my, my square. Let me get my level. Let me get my measuring tape, which are all messed up. Let me tell you how it's done. I don't know if my friend will return to church or not. Um, and that's not my, I'm not here to beg and plead with him. I'm here to journey with him. But I know that as a people, we are called to be fellow workers, fellow laborers, people who extend the good news of Jesus' forgiveness and mercy to the lost, and workers who come along and, and alongside and help listen, pray, encourage fellow Christians. My hope is that we will be a people who use the tools that Jesus does. Love, forgiveness, reconciliation, and the strength of Jesus' new life in us. We are a people who say, how can I help you get to know God better?